Did you know that there is a real medical condition where you see the entire world upside down? It's called reversal of vision metamorphosia, I think. And here's a description of what it's like taken from a medical paper, a scientific paper. The patient experienced a visual disturbance. The objects in his right visual field appeared upside down. People were seen walking on their heads, the windows by the ceiling were within reach of his hands, and a cup stood upside down on the shelf, but the tea did not spill out. Try and imagine for a minute how disorientating that would be. To look at the world around you and see people walking upside down on their heads, to see a cup of tea standing on a shelf, but without the cup of tea spilling out. Now, I think I'm safe to... This is a very rare condition, by the way. Don't, don't start to worry. Um, and think, and so I think I'm, f- I'm safe to assume that nobody uh, in this room has, has literally started seeing the world upside down. But I think that part of the reason the world around us often seems so crazy, so messed up, is that as a culture, we're suffering from a kind of reversal of vision metamorphosia. As a culture, we see things upside down. We live in a world where the things that are the most fundamental, the deepest realities, are seen as superficial, as a kind of froth on top of the reality of life. A world where love and generosity are seen as things that we have to add on top of the substance of life, rather than being the foundations of everything. And this first section of the creed enables us to see things the right way up again. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. So first, Father Almighty. The first thing we say about God, that we confess that we believe about God, is that he is Father We don't start with God as creator, or ruler, or judge, or even saviour, but God as father. And we start there because that's where Jesus leads us. So in that passage we had read from John 17, Jesus is speaking to God, he's praying to God, and time and time again he calls him father, 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 righteous father. And it's not just Jesus' special status that gives him the kind of privilege to call God Father. A few chapters later, at the end of John's Gospel, Jesus says to Mary Magdalene, go to my brothers, the disciples, and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So far, probably so familiar, right? Most of us will be used to the idea of calling God Father. But it's worth slowing down for a minute to think about what we're actually doing when we do that. Because Father isn't a nice name that God lets us use for him because it makes him seem approachable and friendly. No, to call God Father is to go to the very heart of who he really is. 
Look with me at what Jesus says in John chapter 17, verse 24, that second reading, page 1085 if you've lost it. Here's what Jesus says. He says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. You loved me before the creation of the world. Jesus, the Son of God, says to his Father, you loved me before the creation of the world. Before time began, before anything else existed, God was and is and always will be a Father loving his Son in the unity of the Holy Spirit. God hasn't always been creator or ruler or judge or saviour. But he's always been Father. He's always been Father. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from eternity to eternity. We're used, aren't we, to think about people becoming dads and becoming a father, right? So, so I'm now a father of two. But five years ago, I wasn't a father, right? And that means that for me, and indeed for any human being, being a father can't be right at the heart of who I am. Because there was a time when I was still me, but I wasn't a father. But with God, it's different. Because the Son of God is eternal. God's Son has always existed. And so because his Son has always existed, God has always been a Father. He's always been a Father loving his Son in the unity of the Spirit. It's right at the heart of who he is. God the Father. But we don't just say that we believe in God the Father. We say, I believe in God the Father Almighty. God is a father whose love cannot be stopped. He has no rivals, who is not one mighty power among many, but almighty in a category of his own. And so God's good plans and purposes for his children can never, will never fail. He is almighty God. To look at it from the other end, God Almighty orders and directs all things, not ultimately as creator or ruler or judge, but with fatherly care. God's might is not the raw power of a tyrant, but the focused strength of a father, devoted to loving and protecting his children. Now, as I say that, as we speak of God, this almighty, perfect Father, I'm aware that as we gather here this morning, we'll come with a range of experiences of human fatherhood. And for some of us, that will probably make it hard to respond with joy to the thought of God as Father. It might even make it hard to call God Father. Can I just say, I mean, this is true for all of us, to the extent that it's possible, can we let this God, the God revealed to us in Scripture, define what it is to be a father? Define what it means to be father. And what does it mean? Well, Jesus says, Father, you loved me before the creation of the world. Not, Father, you told me off before the creation of the world. 
Not, Father, you put pressure on me before the creation of the world. Not, Father, you were in and out of my life. Not, Father, you were here, but now you're gone. Father, you loved me before the creation of the world with a perfect, eternal, unchanging, life-giving love. That is fatherness. That's what it means to be a father. That's what it means that God is father. That before and beneath the foundation of this world is perfect love. And that turns everything on its head. Turns the way we normally see the world on its head. Because we've been taught, each one of us have been taught, in many different ways, that the fundamental reality of life is the struggle for survival. The fundamental reality is that everyone looks after themselves. And in fact, according to evolutionary biology, love is an accident. Love is an accident. It's an accidental side effect of genes seeking to be transmitted from one generation to the next. Love is meaningless. It's froth on top of the real substance of the gritty reality of life. That's what biology would tell us. And maybe you say, I don't believe that. That sounds wrong. Right. But how often do we end up putting ourselves, our satisfaction, our self-realization at the bottom as the most fundamental thing in our lives? And so love becomes a kind of tool, something we might try and add on to our lives, add into our lives to achieve our goals, to get where we want to go. The fundamental reality is me. I'm at the bottom. And love's something we might want to add on top. But when we confess, when we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, we're saying that the most fundamental reality of all is love. Not as some cheap platitude, but as the deepest truth revealed to humanity that before and beneath the foundation of the world, more fundamental than the atoms we're made of, more fundamental than our very sense of self, is God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, loving one another in eternity. The most fundamental reality of all, at the very heart of the universe, is love. And whether you would call yourself a Christian or not, I put it to you that that is beautiful. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound right? Doesn't that actually fit? gets better. If you're trusting in Jesus, it gets better. Because we get to share, to be drawn into this perfect eternal love. Have a look at chapter, verse 26. Back in John chapter 17, here it is. So Jesus, he's praying to his father and he finishes, he says this, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. What's Jesus aiming for? What's his goal? That the love you, Father, have for me, Son, in eternity, may be in them. That the love the Father has for the Son may be in us. Jesus' goal is that we might share in that love, experience that love, know that love, rest in that love.
And so when we talk about becoming children of God, when we talk about God as Father, it's not just a nice way of talking, a nice way of saying that God looks after us or is kind to us. It is articulating the deepest truth and greatest joy of being a Christian. That we are sharing in this love that the Father has had from the Son in the Spirit forever. So this week, when you pray, pray to your Father, call God Father and pause and meditate on the depths of that truth. That you're coming to God as he really is, the perfect Father. That you're coming to him as someone who shares by grace in the unchanging eternal love of Father and Son stretching back before the foundation of the world. We believe in God, the Father Almighty. And we believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Creator of heaven and earth. Here, the creed simply uses the very first verse of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And that just means everything. God is the creator of everything. Everything we can see. Every grain of sand... Every one of the 200 billion trillion stars in the universe, every human being, fashioned by God. The creator of everything seen and everything unseen. But no less real for that. Every angel, archangel, the entire spiritual realm created by God. And again, so far, so familiar, right? It's one of the things we learn very early if we grow up in church. It's one of the things we learn very early when we come to church that these people believe that God made everything. But it's important to slow down and think about what we mean when we say that God is creator because the act of creation, God's work of creation, is very different to any human act of making. It's not that God started with some pre-existing material and then shaped it and molded it until it was a bit nicer like a kind of supersized version of my daughter Miriam with her Play-Doh. That's not what, what, what we're saying here. We're saying that God created everything out of nothing. That God, who, is, who has existed eternally, brought the rest, everything else, the rest of creation, everything, into existence. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3 puts it like this. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command... So that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. God gave everything its very existence. That's what it means to say that God is the creator of heaven and earth. And the creed puts the focus on the father as creator, the one whom everything is from. But that doesn't mean that the father worked alone doesn't mean that the Father works alone. We've already seen that before the foundation of the world, God was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Bible teaches us that the, the work of creation is an undivided work of that eternal trinity. 
We see it there, actually, in in Genesis 1. In verse 2, the Spirit of God hovers over the waters. And through the whole chapter, uh, the Father creates by the power, simply, of his word, through his word. And when we get to John's Gospel, who is this word? The word is the Son. It is the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who create the world and give everything its existence. And that matters. It matters that it's that God, the loving Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who creates the world because it means that the entire creation is an act of love, of generosity, that it's a gift. Genesis chapter 1, verse 29, then God said, I give you, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. Creation is a gift, It really is, because because God is perfectly happy in himself. He doesn't need anything else. He is delighted, full of joy, as the Father and the Son and the Spirit from eternity. He doesn't need to create. He's not a lonely God, making something to keep him company, or or to try his powers out on, or, or, or needing someone else, or something else to complete him in some way. The creator of heaven and earth is a loving, life-giving God who chooses to create so that others might share in his life and love. The theologian John Webster puts it like this. He says, his work of creation is pure generosity. He makes things for their own sake, not for his. He makes things for, for their own sake, not for his. And this idea of creation itself, this truth that creation itself is a gift, flips the way we normally see the world in its head. Because we've been told, we've all been told that the fundamental reality is that stuff just exists. Right? The world just is. It's just there. And it's fundamentally meaningless. It's just stuff, right? And, and any, any meaning or significance is something that we're going to have to create ourselves. We're going to have to add on top of the meaningless reality of stuff, right? And so, so gifts are not something that's actually there. They're something we have to create by taking meaningless stuff and packaging it nicely, okay? So, so flowers, for example. Flowers aren't really a gift, we've been told. They're not, they're not essentially a gift. They're just flowers. They're just there. We happen to like looking at them. I make flowers a gift when I pick them or more realistically buy them and give them to somebody else. The gift is the icing on the cake. It's the topping. But when we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, we're saying, we're confessing that, that everything that exists isn't just stuff. It isn't just matter. Everything is a creation. Everything has meaning and significance built into its very existence, into the foundations. And that meaning and significance is most fundamentally that it's a gift. An act of generosity from the loving, life-giving creator. I remember um, when I first kind of really got this in my head, I was, I was on holiday in the Peak District, beautiful place if you've not been, and I was just looking out at the world around me, at the beauty of the world that God had met, and thought, none of this has to exist. 
None of it. None of it has to be here. It's not here because it has to be. It's here because God is love. It's here because God chose to give the gift of creation because God chose to create it and he chose to make me and give me life and give me eyes to see it. It's all a gift all the way down. Doesn't that sound good? (laughs) Doesn't that sound right? Doesn't it fit? And as we receive everything, everything, our very existence is a gift from God, our heart's going to burst with worship and praise and thanksgiving. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11 says this, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. You're worthy. God is worthy of everything. Because he's given us everything. God is worthy of all our worship and honour and glory and praise because everything, literally everything we have from him is from him. Our very existence, our lives, the people we love, everything we enjoy. It doesn't have to be there. But out of love, God has given it to us. And so the Christian life is one of profound and all-encompassing thankfulness. And so this week, why not take 30 seconds, a minute each day to stop, to look at the world around you and see it for what it is? A gift, a gift from God. And, and then thank him for one thing in particular, the taste of coffee, the sight of a clear blue sky, the beauty of music, the feeling of being hugged by someone you love. It's all from him. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. So that's the first part of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. In those ancient words, we behold the very nature of God our loving Father, our generous Creator. And as we see God, we get to see the world the right way up. That love is at the heart of reality. And everything really is a gift. Praise be to our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, you are endlessly, unfathomably, inconceivably good. You really are. You don't decide to love. You are love in your very being, and that love is from eternity to eternity and by your grace, not because we deserved any of it. You have caught us up into that love as children of you, of the eternal Father brothers of Christ united to him and the brothers and sisters of Christ united to him in the spirit and your very nature is to give and share life and so you have given us everything our very existence moment by moment not because you needed it not because you had to but out of love 
all glory and honour and praise and power are yours now and forever. Amen.